0: There is an excitement that comes with the idea of something being new and improved. We see people camping out in lines for the next big phone release with the hope that they will be able to get their hands on the latest and the greatest. Sometimes the latest and greatest isn't all that it's cracked up to be, though. For those of you who are like myself and able to remember all the way back to 1985... there's little little doubt that you know about the debacle that was New Coke. Now that was supposed to be new and improved, but people did not embrace the new formula, and so it wasn't long before they went back to the original formula, and it was rebranded as Coca-Cola Classic. Well, in more recent memory... Many people were promised a new and, improved experiment, uh, new and improved experience with Microsoft Windows Vista. Now, thankfully, my PC had plenty of memory and had a moderately powered processor, so I didn't experience any of these things. But many people upgraded the operating system on their computers, and the computers, well, weren't up to the task. And so their new and improved experience was just new and in no way improved. In fact, it was actually much worse. And then an even more recent memory. You may or may not have heard about the Samsung Galaxy Note 7. Several years back, it was the latest and greatest in the line of Galaxy Note phones, and people waited with anticipation to get their hands on Samsung's newest large-screen phone. But there was a catch. It was catching fire in people's pockets. And some of them were spontaneously combusting, like exploding. Now, it was new, but I don't think the fear of spontaneous combustion in your pocket is seen as an improvement unless it's negative 15. Even though there are some notable examples of the new and improved not always panning out We still do desire to have the newest and best, right? When we get something new, we often do it with the anticipation that something better will be coming along. You know that the car you bought last year will be superseded in features by a newer model in a year or two. You're excited to get that new phone, but you know that in two years, you won't think three camera lenses is enough. You'll need four or five or maybe even 25. But we know, we know that there's something new coming. We have an inherent desire to look for the next big improvement because we know that even though we think something is great, we know that most everything is going to have some sort of fault. And so as we drop into Hebrews 8 today, We see that this idea is being conveyed to us. The author of Hebrews is addressing people that are desiring to return to the old covenant. The author wants them to know that this new covenant is so much better and that had the old covenant been without fault, there wouldn't have been a need for a new covenant. So let's break this passage down into our three points for today and see what we can glean from it. Now the first thing I want us to see today is that Jesus is a heavenly high priest. We've seen the emphasis the last couple of weeks on Jesus being a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. But this part of the passage today puts an important emphasis on the heavenly nature of the priesthood of Jesus. And this shows us how great his work for us is. And we see that the old covenant was modeled after heavenly things, In the first place Secondly we're going to see that the heavenly nature of this priesthood Shows us that the new covenant is a better covenant The old covenant had its faults and that is why we see that in scripture there was a hope for something greater There was a belief that the messiah would come and do something better than the old covenant could do And then finally We will see that the superiority of the new covenant has made the old covenant Obsolete. And so, it vanishes. The people who were the original audience of the book of Hebrews were considering going back to the old covenant, but here the author is letting them know that that covenant is going to fade away because it no longer matters, because the work of Jesus has come and made that covenant obsolete. And so we start off in verse 1 this morning, and what we find is that the author of Hebrews is bringing Everything to a point What is about to be argued is Why we keep going back to this minor character Melchizedek Jesus is a high priest But not like the earthly priest he, he isn't a Levite And he doesn't offer animal sacrifices He is different And this is amplified by the truth That he is seated at the right hand of the Father and we find this phrase, that he is at the right hand of the Father all over the place in the New Testament. You've, you've heard me so many times before say, this phrase and its variations are calling back to Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until your enemies are made a footstool. And this is an allusion to that messianic psalm, Psalm 110. And it's really important here because as we saw in chapter 7, It's the same chapter of the Psalter that talks about Melchizedek. And so there is an idea of the Messiah being at the Father's right hand and in a priestly role when the psalm is looking forward, pointing to the Messiah. And we also have to understand something else about the earthly high priests. They would go into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. But now, where do we have Jesus, the Messiah? He is at the Father's right hand. He doesn't just go into the holiest place once a year. He is in the holiest place, in the presence of God. He is God, seated at the right hand of the Father. He is eternally in the presence of God. Not like the high priests who go in once a year. Instead, he is there each and every day for you. And as it says here, He is a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. Now, in the old covenant, they they had a tabernacle, and it was set up by people. They had a temple, and it was built with human hands. It wasn't the true holy place. It was just an earthly shadow, an earthly representation And Jesus now, at the Father's right hand, is truly in the Holy of Holies. And he is in the true tabernacle, the true temple where God dwells. The earthly tabernacle, the earthly temple, were just a place that God ordained that his presence would be. But it was still just a shadow of what heaven is. It wasn't the real thing. And we've all seen some spectacular models of things in our lifetimes, right? Tiny little details that amaze us. But they are still just a pale representation of the actual thing that they are modeled after. There is nothing like the real thing. And that's the idea conveyed in this part of the passage. The earthly was important in the Old Covenant. But now Jesus has come as the high priest into the real thing. The priests were playing t-ball, but Jesus is in the majors. And as we continue, the author of Hebrews wants us to understand this. The high priests are appointed to offer sacrifices, and as we've seen previously in the book of Hebrews, the priest is offering not only a sacrifice for the people, but for himself. Why? Because the priests are sinners too. And at the time that this book is written, There were still priests doing just that. But we read that if Jesus were on earth, he would not be offering sacrifices because there were already priests doing those things. They were following the law as it was written down by Moses. And so we see our point again. Those earthly things were just a shadow and a copy of the heavenly. The ceremonial law was never intended to be the final solution. It was just a picture of what would be done to save the people of God in Christ. Animal sacrifices in the temple were never the final answer. It was pointing to Jesus. In other words, there was a heavenly instruction, God telling them what to do, and they were just copying it. Something better was coming, and we see that it fully comes In the Lord Jesus Which brings us to our second point this morning As we look at verse 6 The new covenant is better As it says in verse 6 It's it's much more It's much more excellent And I love that translation here It isn't just more excellent It is much more excellent The idea is, is that it's superior In every possible way And we read that this is because it's enacted upon better promises. So why is the promise better? It's because it's the ultimate promise. It's the promise that was issued at the fall that said that one day, one would come who would crush the head of the serpent. And Jesus fulfills that promise. And it's clear that the Old Covenant did not fulfill that promise. The Old Covenant did not have the one, the Messiah, who did away with sin and was without sin. The Old Covenant did not have a once and for all sacrifice. Instead, the Old Covenant pointed to the promised one who was to come. And the author of Hebrews makes it very clear that if the first covenant would have been perfect and fulfilled all these things, there would have been no need to look for a second covenant. And we can feel this as we look at the Old Testament. You can feel it as you even think about the story of the Old Testament. While they were going about all these rites and these rituals of the Old Covenant, there's still a sense in the Old Testament that this isn't it. That there's something else. There's something that's coming. There's something that needs to be fulfilled. This isn't doing the trick. It's a stand-in. But it's not the full thing. And Hebrews makes it very clear that this was because we were looking for something better. Just when you think the people of the Old Testament were going to maybe figure it out, what did we see? That they failed once again to keep the promises of God. They were always on a journey, right, in the Old Testament. They were always on a journey, but never arriving. Always trying to get back to the promised land, but they could never stay there. And that's the tension that we feel. They're going to do it. They're going to follow God. But again and again, they fail. That's the tension we feel throughout the Old Testament. And Hebrews is saying, that was showing us that they needed something better. They needed a better promise. There is a need for a new covenant. And so the author of Hebrews is not content to just make a statement And let it stand. Instead, he's making a case for this important point he's making. And the next section of the text that we're looking at for this point of the covenant being better is a quotation from the Old Testament. You can see it in verses 8 through 12. And it's quoted from Jeremiah, verses 31 through 34. Now, as you read it, you can see that Jeremiah is telling them that something so much better is coming. In fact, Jeremiah says that there's going to be a new covenant Now, if there wasn't something better coming, why would those living and existing with the old covenant be speaking to something new? Why, why would, if this was the end-all, be-all, why would Jeremiah be talking about a new thing on the horizon? If there wasn't something better on the way, why would God inspire the words of the prophet to point forward to a day where something better was coming, a covenant that is not like the one made with their fathers? And so Jeremiah points out, that their fathers weren't even faithful to that covenant anyway, so it needs to be new. And so this new covenant that's coming will be in their minds. It will be written on their hearts. God will be their God, and they will be his people, and we see that everyone will know the Lord. Now, the idea here is that everyone is able to come into the presence of God, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of whether or not you're a priest. Everyone can come into the presence of God is no longer just a high priest once a year who rarely ever goes into the Holy of Holies. Instead, we are able to go into his presence because we have Jesus in our very own flesh right there at the Father's right hand as our great high priest. From the least to the greatest. Again, not just one high priest, but all people able to come into the presence of the Most High. And we see why this is. He will be merciful towards their iniquities, and he will remember their sins no more. Now we can't, we can't fully grasp, as modern Christians, how huge this is. Because we're used to this idea. This is our reality. But remember what I mentioned a couple weeks ago. The job of a priest was a very bloody one. Sacrifices over and over and over. People bringing sacrifices continually and the bleeding of animals as they were slaughtered for the sins of the people. It was bloody and it was continual. But this tells us that this is a better covenant that has come because it takes away our sins. And through Jesus, we have forgiveness and holiness that is once and for all. Not continual sacrifice, not continually one person who can go into the presence of God. Not continual bleeding of animals as you, as you stand outside knowing that that animal is being slaughtered for you. Instead, we have a great high priest at the right hand of God in an infinitely better covenant. And because it is so much better, we see at the end of this passage our third point as we look at verse 13, the old covenant covenant. Will pass away. And the author of Hebrews here makes an obvious statement. If Jeremiah is talking about a new covenant, isn't the old one going to be obsolete? We've all upgraded something, and you know that the other one just isn't worth what it used to be, right? You don't get top dollar trade in on something that you can't get parts for anymore. You're lucky if you get anything all when something is old and obsolete. Because when something becomes obsolete, eventually, it no longer gets upgrades. It can't be repaired. It can't be used anymore. And often, this whole process starts as soon as the new model is announced, right? If a company has a new item coming out, they know that if they announce it too soon, it's going to cut into their sales. That's why they try to keep rumors and updates on the newest model coming to a minimum. As soon as you hear that the latest and greatest is coming, you aren't likely to pay full price for the previous model anymore. The company has to cut into their profits by offering a better price, or no one will buy the old one. An item isn't obsolete when the new one comes out. It's essentially obsolete as soon as the new one is announced, right? And that's what the author of Hebrews is drawing out for us. As soon as Jeremiah announced the new covenant, the other one was on the way out. They were looking for the new one. And now that it's come in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's ready to vanish away. Now, there's something here that we need to understand. We aren't first century Hebrew folk, we don't have the context of all this as a part of the way that we think and operate. So what the author of Hebrews is saying here is is pretty substantial when we get down to it. He's saying that the old is ready to vanish away. Now this is an indicator for us that the book of Hebrews was written relatively early in the history of the church. Clearly, at the time that this book was written, there was still a sacrificial system in place. Priests were offering sacrifices. And so the temple would still have been standing So we know that the book of Hebrews was written prior to the year 70 because Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, in Mark 13, and in Luke 21 that the temple would be destroyed within a generation. Now we miss the significance of Jesus bringing this up, but ultimately what Jesus is saying is the same thing that the author of Hebrews is saying. By saying the temple would be destroyed... Jesus is signaling that the sacrificial system of the Old Covenant was going to be done away with. It's kaput. It's, it's out of here. And then in the year 70, that very thing happened. In the middle of April in the year 70, the future emperor, Titus, he was just a general then, laid siege to Jerusalem. And the temple was destroyed in September of that year. And just as Jesus prophesied, not one stone was left unturned. The temple was destroyed, destroyed. And there hasn't been a sacrifice since. The new covenant has come, and the old covenant has passed away. And so the point is being made to these people who are considering returning to their Jewish rites and rituals, it's not that, "Ah, you should not go back because this is better. The author of Hebrews saying, it's not only better, it's made the other one obsolete. And his point is that the old covenant system is going to pass away, and so stay with the covenant that offers everlasting forgiveness, that brings us into the presence of God through the work of Jesus on our behalf. All that stuff that they're tempted to return to is not only not as good, it's going away. And it did go away when the temple was destroyed. The old has gone, the new has come. And so we finish up this passage, and I believe that we can come away with two practical applications for us this morning. First, the superior covenant gives us a sure and certain hope. The author of Hebrews put pen to parchment to let readers know about this superior covenant. For us, we don't have an old covenant to go back to. But it is still very good for us to hear about the superior nature of the covenant, because while we're not tempted to go to rites and rituals of sacrifice and a temple, we are prone to thoughts that we somehow save ourselves. And the point of this greater covenant is to give us a sure hope of salvation. Our hope is in the truth that we are in covenant with God, not based upon what we do, but because of the work of Jesus on our behalf. And that work has put Jesus at the right hand of the Father where he is interceding for us. And that means it is secure, it means that our hope is certain. And when we are tempted to rely on ourselves and our own works, we need to remember that Jesus ascended to give us confidence. And so, in the face of whatever we face in this life, we remember that we have a Savior. Who is seated at the Father's right hand for us. And because he is there, we can live in confidence as we face the world each day. And secondly, because of this new covenant, you can know God. I know that each of us struggles with the idea of knowing God better. And this is a struggle I've heard from people on a very regular basis. Because it's hard for us to know how to know God better because it's kind of an abstract idea. Well, it's also hard. It's also hard because we're not sure what it looks like. In so many ways, the idea of knowing God is difficult to quantify. But I want to stop and hopefully help you appreciate how awesome the idea is that you can know God in the first place. This idea that you can know God is an amazing thing. Remember the people of God in the Old Covenant. Remember, they didn't have access to God. It was through priests. The priests were the mediators of the covenant and the relationship with God. You brought your sacrifice to the priests, and they took it in. They made the sacrifice. There wasn't a worship service at the temple week in and week out, where the people came to worship God. The worship in the temple was done for the people by the priests. It was done by someone else. But now, in this new and better covenant, you come each week. And together, with your sisters and brothers in Christ, we come into the presence of God together. We worship him in the splendor of his holiness. We confess our sins and hear that we have been forgiven. We hear the word proclaimed to us and we depart to love and serve the Lord. And this is all possible because we have Jesus at the Father's right hand for us. We are able to worship and know God because of what he has done. We are able to know God because we have the Holy Spirit within us. And through hearing the Word and through the Spirit's work in us, we are truly able to know God. We're able to experience who He is. And so may we be a people who hear that Word and trust that through it, the Spirit is at work helping us to continue to grow in our knowledge of God and in our confidence in the better covenant that we have with God through the Lord Jesus. And so may we Relish in the truth that because of what God has done in Christ, we can truly know God and grow in faithfulness and in holiness. Amen.